Hey everybody, it's day 17 on our 40-day tour through the Gospel of John. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're up to John chapter 8. So today in this story, in John 8, we are going to talk about sex and religion. Now that I have your full attention, let's take a closer look at this famous story that's all about stones and Jesus and a woman caught in the act of adultery and her self-righteous accusers. You might know the story really well. Uh, You might be new to it. You you might be vaguely familiar with it, whatever it might be. I want to be your tour guide to give you a deeper dive, to, to give you a sense of a little bit more of what's going on here in this story, as it's told in John's gospel in particular. Verse 3 says some scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who was caught in the sin of adultery to Jesus, and they put her in front of the whole crowd. So, so, you know, let me set the scene here. Jesus is in the temple in the holy city of Jerusalem. There's a big crowd circled around him, listening to him teach. It's a holy moment for them. And all of a sudden, they all get interrupted by the religious leaders who have the authority to do this. They run the temple, so they bring this woman who's been caught in adultery to Jesus, and they're going to ask Jesus a question to trap him. That's what John's gospel says. They want to trap him so that they can get him to say something they can use against him. And what they think they're going to get him to say is that this woman should be set free. She should be forgiven. And they know they could use that against him because according to their laws of Moses, the laws of Moses that Jesus taught as a rabbi in the temple himself, the laws of Moses said that she had to be condemned, that she could be stoned to death. And if Jesus doesn't agree with them, then he's minimizing the laws of Moses and they could accuse him of not being faithful to to, to those laws. But they're so focused in on the details of the law that they missed the point. They missed the purpose of the law for, for the smaller point that was never the intent of God's law. Jesus is more concerned, obviously, about the spirit, the purpose of the law, and he's going to set these religious leaders straight. They bring this woman, and they ask Jesus this question. Never mind, they didn't bring the man who was caught in the same act of adultery, which reveals the lack of balance in their sense of justice. But they bring this woman who was caught in the act of adultery to Jesus, and they say, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? It was like a no-win situation, at least from the perspective of this world. But here comes heavenly godly wisdom from above breaking through into the worldly wisdom that we sometimes make too big of a deal out of. Jesus is going to balance things out real quick. But before he does, there's this kind of cool movement in John's gospel, the artfulness and, and the inspiration of John's gospel. So Jesus hears their question that they give to him to try to trap him. Either let this woman go and you're minimizing the laws of Moses and we're going to condemn you for it and we're going to use it against you or go ahead and, and agree with us and let, her, let us stone her to death and then you know, you're going to show that we're right and, and you're below us and you're subservient to us and, and so then we're going to get you to conform to us. Jesus wasn't interested in either one of those. But before he says anything in response to them, the Bible says, this is so cool. This is like Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood move in a, in a Western where he's the cool, good guy. He, he stoops down, the Bible says, and he starts drawing who knows what in, in the ground, in the dirt or the dust of the temple floor. This was not unusual. Teachers in the temple would often, this is before chalkboards or whiteboards, would, would stoop down and to make their point, they'd, they'd write out a word or, or draw a symbol in order to help teach the students that were there in the crowd. 
Jesus stoops down and maybe he's writing down a list of, of the sins of the accusers to balance things out because the ground is level at the foot of the cross of Jesus, right? So it's maybe a prelude to, to his sacrifice, to, to the fact that he dies for all of our sins, not just the sins of some. Other biblical scholars say that, that maybe he's, he's writing a particular verse down in Scripture and they've tried to guess which one it might be to make his point. I think the most compelling part, and nobody knows for sure, and if John's Gospel wanted us to know for sure what Jesus was writing, if John's Gospel felt that was a big enough point, I'm sure that it would be detailed out. So we just have to guess, but it's kind of fun to guess. I think the most compelling point biblical scholars make is that Jesus was sending a message. Your question doesn't even deserve a response. So he stoops down and he starts just doodling <laughs> in the dirt and the sand. So they press him, which also kind of fits with that theory that he's just doodling in the sand and they're a little offended by that. So they press him and they insist, hey, we need an answer. And Jesus knows he has an answer. So then he stands up and he gives it. All right, he says, go ahead and stone her to death. Go ahead and let her have it for her sin, according to your laws of Moses. But before you do, let the one who is without sin, the one of you accusers who's without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. <laughs> and at that moment, can you almost just hear the loud thud of the stones one by one falling on the floor of the temple? Jesus brilliantly balances out the scales of justice. He takes the laws of Moses seriously. He doesn't minimize them. He doesn't condone adultery. He isn't saying that what she did was okay. At the same time, he offers his amazing grace for this woman. After the stones fall and the accusers all disappear, John's gospel makes the point of saying, and now Jesus was all alone with this woman. In the NLT, it's an unfortunate translation. The NLT almost always gets it right to the original Greek, but they missed it here. The original Greek really makes it clear that Jesus was all alone now in the temple, in this part of the temple with this woman. So only she could hear him and nobody else could hear him. And he says to her, where are your accusers now? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she says. And so Jesus responds, neither do I. So go and sin no more. Look, if we want to get serious about God's law, which is kind of the way the accusers of this woman start this story, then we have to get serious about all of God's law, not just the ones that we want to judge in somebody else. That's where self-righteousness creeps in. That's where legalism creeps in. If we want to get serious about God's law, about sinful behavior, then we have to acknowledge that we're all guilty of sinful behavior, that we're all condemned, that we all should be stoned to death. And see, that's a more accurate biblical definition of sin. It isn't just a list that condemns some people but not others. It isn't just a list that goes after the non-religious, immoral people and those who are religious and moral get a, get a free pass. Not at all. It condemns us all. And so the ground is level at the foot of the cross and we also realize that we're all in the same boat. We're all in need of a savior, not just those who commit sexual sins. Religious people have developed a reputation and sometimes well-deserved, and it's too bad because it's not the spirit of scripture. It's not what Jesus is teaching here so clearly. We've developed a reputation of being self-righteous, particularly when it comes to sexual sin, really good at condemning sexual sinners and giving a pass to other sins like, oh, I don't know, gossip and envy and greed, just to name three but they're all on the same list. 
They're, they all condemn us. They all accuse us of sin. That's the purpose and the point of the law. That's what Jesus is teaching in this story and what John's gospel is revealing to us. The other thing I think that is worth noting is this, is we try to find ourselves in this story. Maybe some of you hear this story and you feel like the woman who's accused of some sin and you feel condemned like God's grace isn't for you. Know that God's mercy is wider than your sin. That's clear in this story that Jesus let her go. Secondly, however, know that adultery is a sinful and hurtful behavior. Jesus isn't condoning it. He isn't blessing sin. Jesus is not in the sin blessing business. He says to the woman, go and sin no more. If you're engaged in sexual sin, stop. Stop it today. Turn around. Change the way you think about it. Repent. That's what that word means. Go and sin no more. Why does Jesus say this? Because he loves you. Because he wants you to find life. That he wants you to understand the purpose of the law. It isn't to just see who's in and who's out morally. It's so much deeper than that. The purpose of the law is to give us life. This is what Moses says toward the end of his life in the famous speech recorded in Deuteronomy. He says, I'm putting before you life and death. Oh, that you would choose life and not death. That you'd choose blessings and not a curse. God God's law brings life. Let it bring life to you. So Jesus brings amazing grace to this woman. He sets her free. He gives her a do-over. And he does the same for you. Maybe you feel more like the religious accusers in this story. And and you give in to that temptation too often to self-righteously condemn others. Stop it. That's just as bad of a sin as adultery. It hurts just as many people. And Jesus isn't having any of it. He's not in the sin-blessing business of of blessing self-righteousness either. But most of all, find yourself in this story by taking the example of Jesus Christ. Follow him. It's always the best play. Jesus' example is to publicly protect the woman who's being accused of this moral uh, uh, misstep, this sinful behavior which she has committed. She has committed a sin, it's true. But publicly, Jesus protects her, saves her life, in fact, and pushes away her accusers. Note this, though. Follow Jesus' example. Then privately, he goes to this woman. He doesn't shame her publicly. He doesn't go after her. He doesn't accuse her publicly. Privately, he says, out of love to her, come and live a whole new life. Go and sin no more. That's the example to follow. One more thing to leave you with. Jesus is clearly starting to set the stage here at the beginning of John chapter 8 as the sacrificial lamb of God. He's starting to become what John the Baptist said to his disciples he is. Behold, the lamb of God, John says to his disciples, go and follow him at the beginning of John's gospel. Now here at the beginning of John chapter 8, Jesus is taking on that position. He's taking upon himself because he knows by letting her go free, he's going to be in the line of fire. He's the one who's going to be condemned. At the beginning of John chapter 8, they pick up stones to stone this woman who's caught in the sin of adultery. At the end of John chapter 8, check it out, the last verse, they pick up stones because they want to stone Jesus to death. Behold the Lamb of God who was sent into this world not to bless sin, but to be the sacrificial lamb for our sin. For this woman's sin, caught in the sin of adultery, for your sin, for my sin, for all of us. That's the biblical definition of sin. It's wide and it's deep and it condemns us all. But thank God the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And God's grace is more than sufficient for you. We'll see you tomorrow. 
like, review, and share on whatever platform you're using that helps us get the word out. And join us for weekend worship. You can go to lutheranchurchofhope.org to find out how. We'll see you there. Oh,